Kelly, this is not how I dreamt of this moment. But neither could I have dreamt of meeting someone as beautiful and perfect and smart as you. <laughs> Kelly Bundy, will you marry me? I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> I'll wait for you. I will too, my darling. No matter whose wife I am in prison, I'll always be your husband. Let's rock. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back, Married with Children podcast fans. Oh boy, I'm Steven, and... We need to hurry this up because Death Wish 6 is coming on. <laughs> and I'm Tyler. And old Charles Bronson had a gun. E-I-E-I-O. And with that gun, he killed some scum. E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> well, hello. My name is Annabelle. And I've always wanted to go to America. But I don't speak a word of American. Except for um, Eagle. <laughs> well, trust me, we you'll probably find an English the English translation or you know, Australian to uh, English translation, something like a book like that, like Kelly got in the yes. England show. Yes, I have it on order. <laughs> Good. <laughs> We're here to review the desperate half hour, the first half of the Married with, Ch- Married with Children series finale it was written by valerie ahern and christian mclaughlin and michael moyer directed by jerry cohen it originally aired on may 5th 1997 a guest starring harold sylvester as griff trisha cast as starla charles Eston as lonnie bill torres as cop and damian chapa as cop 2 the longest-running comedy on television is saying goodbye. Celebrate the very last episode of Married with Children. The white dress is a bit of a stretch. Monday on Fox. Sorry, Stephen. You said Michael Moy co-wrote this. I don't think he would have not been there. Um, I think that's an IMDb thing, isn't it? Where they they keep listing either Levitt or Moy or both of them as writers on individual episodes, even though they have nothing to do with the episode. Um, maybe it was. I'm not 100% sure. But Should just be... The- yeah, you well, are. Actually, I think that might be credits. a. Yeah, I think that's something, um, Annabelle, that happens in America where you've got the listed writers and it might be a contractual thing. Because you're right, I don't think Moye really had anything to do with this episode. But the fact that he's the show's creator and might have made a pitch that had something to do with this episode might have earned him writing credit. Well, perhaps. I mean, they would have listed both creators or something, but Lemoya was long gone by this point, and only two, the first two writers, Valerie Ahern and Christian McLaughlin, are uh, credited in the episode itself. Hmm. So I think it's just an IMDb thing for yeah. some yeah. reason. Yeah. It could be, very likely. I just went by, I shouldn't always mm-hmm. go by them because they're not always the most accurate. No. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the IMBD not be accurate? Never. It's Never. the wicked. It's the Wikipedia of uh, 
the movie and television world because anyone can go in there and edit some stuff. That's true. But I'd like to remind any new listeners who haven't heard our interview with Michael Moyer, um, if if you guys are saying, well, how do you know what's right, Married with Children podcast, uh, we can just uh, email Michael Moyer and ask him because we're that cool. Yeah, we're not, but we could. <laughs> oh, I love but, saying that. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was. I thought he. They were in talks to bringing him and Levitt back to write a finale. I guess they just didn't uh, get together on that. But uh, mm-hmm. I just went by that. And you're more of an expert on this than I am. I wonder if you can get we're a all, We're all more of a, more experts than IMDb. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We should that's be true. in charge of IMDb. By the way, maybe we can all get doctorates that, and uh, married with children <laughs> studies. And, uh, <laughs> be the foremost scholars. Okay. Yeah, the D in PhD for that stands for dang, those hooters. <laughs> yeah. Says it right on my degree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, absolutely. So the, the show titled The Desperate Half Hour is a play in the title The Desperate Hours. And that is a film I really want to see now, but it is a 1955 film noir starring Humphrey Bogart and Frederick March. It was produced and directed by William Wyler and based on a novel and play of the same name, which were loosely built on actual events. The original Broadway production had actor Paul Newman and in the Bogart role, but he was passed over for the movie because Bogart was much bigger star. The character was a much older in the script, so Bogart could play the part, but Bogart said he viewed the story as Duke Manti, grown up. Uh, Manti having been Bogart's breakthrough movie role in the Petrified Forest. Spencer Tracy was originally cast in the film with Bogart, although the two actors were very good friends. Both insisted on top building, and Tracy eventually withdrew from the picture. I've never seen this one either. I'm kind of interested now because I didn't know Humphrey Bogart and uh, Spencer Tracy ever co-starred with each other. I know. like, And at one point, they're like, this Paul Newman guy, like, he ain't nothing. Like, <laughs> just, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't see, uh, I don't see Bogart on any salad dressing, but all right. So the desperate half hour and the following episode, How to Marry a Moron, were billed as a series finale of Married with Children. We know another episode had yet to air in hindsight, but back then it was billed as a one-hour special final episode. They played back-to-back. And there was a special message at the end, uh, during one of the end commercial breaks, or maybe I think it actually appeared a few times during this hour-long special on Fox, where they had a basic thank you. And it's literally just a thank you they had a black screen and you hear studio applause and up flashes thank you married with children for a million laughs and sort of fades to black and that's it that's all they got in the way of a thank you for the show for this season and for the entire series because there's one episode they had yet to air which um is chicago shoe exchange so it's like they even forgot to air an episode, but this was the final two episodes to be filmed. 
and they aired it and they built it as a special two-parter. But Fox didn't really care about the show at this point. So I have found this. Thank you. Um, there are a few clips on YouTube. Um, if you search, I have uploaded it, I think. But um, if you search for Fox and the date that this episode aired, you'll get some original commercials from that date and you'll see it there. So it's interesting to see how it played out in real time. But that's basically it. It's three frames of a thank you. Just nice white text written on a black background with studio applause. A little vain attempt at class, but it's pretty piss weak for a thank you. Interesting. So Not that I'm what, bitter or anything. So, Annabelle, what you're, <clears throat> what you're saying is at the end of How to Marry a Moron, when Kelly like goes with the dudes and then the applause, that it was supposed to end with thank you, Mary with children. It was supposed to be the end. No, well, it might have originally, but this appeared maybe at least three, two or three times throughout the hour. So it might have appeared, you know, um, about halfway during the first part. So during desperate half hour. And it was just as part of the commercial breaks. So mm. at the, yeah. like a little bumper, a Fox bumper saying thank you. And it played, I think, three times maybe throughout the hour. So it didn't. I want to. I need to recheck, but I wanted to say that the final commercial break had it again. But even then, it wasn't even anything original. If you've been watching the whole evening, but Damn. at the end of How to Marry Moron, it just it cut to the credit straight away. Mm. That's so weird. Like it, and it's also yeah. strange because I was having like mental like <laughs> flashbacks or something going on with us because it felt like I was like, wait, didn't Kelly? Doesn't Kelly get married in the last episode? And I just felt, and hearing what you just said makes a lot of more sense that one episode, this was this might have been the last, or you said it was the last one filmed, and it's Kelly getting married in the final final episode of Married with Children, which doesn't really feel like a final. It's the last one that's listed. Is Kelly getting married? So, no, it's just. I like that they at least they had an idea of how they were going to end the show, and somehow the uh, the bimbo gets and gets hitched. Yeah, very ignoble way to go, but that's what they did. Anyhow, you know it's kind of weird because our friends at the WKRP cast, Alan and Donna, they discovered that uh, the last few episodes of WKRP were played out of order. They hesitated on airing two other episodes before their season finale. And for years and years, it was thought that um, that was the final episode. But there were two others that had to air afterwards. And so, and this is a earth-shattering thing. Internet Movie Database, they they changed those airing dates. They just assumed, hey, this must have... Dropped here. This one must have dropped here. No, it wasn't that. This other fellow went and checked TV listings from newspapers all over the country. Hmm. But hmm. so, so for WKRP in Cincinnati, was it the same situation with Murder Children, where their network didn't really care about the show from by the end? No, they didn't care about it from the very beginning, and <laughs> <laughs> the network. There was only one person on the network that really believed in the show super mm-hmm. believed in it and they just kept moving it around i mean not just in the last season but all you know th- between the first 
second, third, and fourth season, it had moved around so much. And then when they got to the fourth season, it went back to its original time slot. And here's the weird thing. They aired the, the final episode in May, and then over the summer, and it was announced it was canceled. And then during the summer, they were showing there were reruns, and the reruns started to be a hit. And so they aired these other two that they didn't think they were going to, uh, that they pulled back in April. And those two, they were both top 10 hits. And at that point, KRP or the CBS thought of bringing KRP back, but they decided not to because all the actors had gone off to other projects already. So, hmm. anyway. But you could tell here that Fox just, this is like I've always said, this was an ignoble way for me with children to go. And, you know, it's kind of like uh, the kids saying, Thanks, Dad. (laughs) 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 That big sarcastic one they give. But let's uh, try and get on, let's get on with the show now. And, oh boy. And this is another problem I have, uh, how this finale begins. But we start in the Bundy household, and Dad's going to kick Kelly and Bud and everybody out of the house so he can watch a movie. (laughs) A A 3D splatterama. And pulls those beautiful blue and red 3D glasses out of his pocket. Which you know what? This was cute. I like this. I I, I love the idea of like two friends getting together for the release of a movie uh, and to watch it on 3D on their on their TV. It's it's something that makes me like yearn for the days where I mean I have some shows like this that drop weekly, and uh, but but like. The fact is, if you don't, if you don't watch younger listeners, if they're out there, if you if they don't, if they don't watch, if he doesn't watch this movie right now, he doesn't get to watch it because it's not like you can just pick it up and stream it again. So yeah, yeah. different time to watch stuff, but it actually starts with uh, Kelly and uh, Peg talking about getting out of the house. <laughs> I can't believe Dad's kicking us out of the house just to watch some stupid movie. Oh, it's okay, honey. You and I are going to have a terrific time at this strip show. (laughs) It'll be just like your 12th birthday all over again. (laughs) Okay, but this time you're the designated driver. (laughs) All right, let's check our equipment. Uh, Ones and fives. Check. Wesson oil. Check. (laughs) A driver's license, just in case I get carded. (laughs) That's a good one, Mom. (laughs) I mean... Check. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Like, I, it's so strange because now that you said, you told me that this is a, uh, was a planned finale, it makes sense now because I was like, wow, they're, they're throwing everything at the wall. We've got Kelly and, uh, Kelly and Peg getting ready to, to be, you know, kind of floozies together. You've got Bud doing his weird thing. You've got Al. You've got uh, one member of No Ma'am. You've got the nudie bar. You've got everything. 
thing. Um, uh, you've got Jefferson and Darcy. You've got them in, in, intertwined very loosely, but intertwined into the plot. And like I know I always complain. They're like, oh, well, I kind of wished we saw blank or we didn't see the kids or anything. Well, you know what? I was wrong. Um, if you don't have anything good for some people, don't have them in the episode. But the fact that it was a finale, I understand why they're there now. But man, like, I wanted more of this Peg and Kelly kind of story. I was ready for that. So you know, was I. Yeah. And then on top of that, it's there's really there's no B plot in this one. It's all the same thing. Yeah, you're, you're right. Oh at my the God. house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's only in one location. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a real-time, one continuous scene, mm-hmm. which is something they haven't done since literally season one. Like, it's because it doesn't follow proper television story structure. And it's like, I thought the Death Wish 6, uh, sorry, I should, I thought the movie that Al wants to see, which we'll talk about in a minute, it's really funny. I thought that was like a lowercase b plot, but it just goes away. And I was like, no, the movie, don't forget about it. It should end with the dang movie. Ugh. Yeah, but also, I, 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 I did get a kick out of some of this conversation that Kelly was having with Peg about how it'll be just like your 12th birthday all over again, going to a strip show. <laughs> and Kelly's saying, yeah, but this time you're the designated driver. Well, I better bring my license just in case I get carded. <laughs> yeah, right, mom. <laughs> oh, I, that was so funny. Because Kelly is not was not being malicious. She was just being an idiot. Like, or thought that Peg was making a joke. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was cute. Like, again, give me their... Annabelle, have we had a Peg and Kelly-focused episode before? Well, just the two of them, but, well, for the main plot. Uh, well, nothing in recent times, put it that way. Yeah. Wow. Because I remember... Go back to, like, something like season four, you know, where Peggy made a little lamb, or... I mean, there's, my mom, the mom. Very, yes, I mean, that's okay, yeah. There's like a couple earlier, but there's there's some very good scenes with them together, but episode driven, perhaps not. When I uh, joined Annabelle and Matt for, um, but on the side, there are mm-hmm. absolutely no episodes that pair Bud and Peck. None. Yeah, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Because they, it's not like they're afraid to pair the parents and the children off. Because we've, we have great Kelly and Al episodes, and even a few Al and Bud episodes. But yeah, you're right. Like it's maybe, maybe there was some friction between the kids and Katie Seagal. I don't know. But like seeing pet, seeing Peg and Kelly like sitting together on the couch. And you're right, Annabelle. Uh, the Mary had a little lamb. Uh, episode that was more of an advert uh what's the word i'm looking for uh not having got advertisinal <laughs> um ad- adversarial like they were against each other and this looked like adversarial thank you this showed them kind of scheming and the way it looked where uh bud and al went to the nudie bar together i don't know i wanted more of that because i 
oh, if we reboot this show, if they actually get onto it, I want to see, I, I want to see Bud and uh, Bud and Peg, Peg together, and uh, Kelly and Peg together. Moving along, they talk about the Death Wish Six. How they're going to watch that? It's a once in a lifetime, lifetime 3D splatter vision pay per view event. It was a bad day today, Peg. Uh. One minute, the biggest woman in the world was in front of me. I was trying to wedge a size four on her foot with my lucky shoehorn. Next minute, she was gone. The woman died in your store? Not the woman, Peg, the shoehorn. Look at it, Peg. Crushed like a beer can at a Raiders game. I'll tell you, Peg, the only thing that kept me going was knowing that tonight... Is the night? Oh, don't worry, honey. We will be gone by the time your little movie starts. Death Wish 6 is not a little movie. It is a once-in-a-lifetime 3D splatter vision pay-per-view event. And but then Bud drops a bomb that he needs the house for himself. I need the house to myself tonight. My pen pal Starla just got out of prison, and she's coming here to see me. What does she look like? Oh, supposedly like Cindy Crawford. But who cares? She's under 30 and hasn't been touched by a man in years. No, she's just like me. Except that your crimes continue to go unpunished. Go away. Dad, Starla and I need some privacy. She's going to do a body search, and... Uh, I've hidden things. You all have exactly 12 and a half minutes to vacate the premises. I have every movement timed down to the final second. Oh, wait, does this, uh, does, is that before or after, uh, oh, wait, that, that was right before, uh, Al leaves. And, uh, cause he has every movement of this night planned to the second. Let's yeah. See. Yeah. Bud comes down and, and like getting upset that um that everyone's gonna be there. He's like, no, Al, I he's like, Dad, I need the house for myself. And he goes, Well, nope. And he literally just refuses to listen to it. He's like, You all have twelve minutes to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, but Bud wanted the house to himself because his pen pal Starla is gonna do a body search on him. <laughs> his prison pen pal. <laughs> <laughs> and he has hidden things <laughs> and mm-hmm. the line is yeah it's you have 12 and a half minutes to vacate the premises that's al's line and hmm. it's it's like we have three episodes happening at once we've got bud's prison pen pal there's a whole episode we've got al al trying to watch an insane splatterfest movie but always gets uh relayed uh, until the very end and then you've got uh, Peg and Kelly doing uh, crazy girl things. Come on, Mom, let's go. We want to get a poolside table, don't we? <laughs> Wait a minute, honey. Come help me find my punch card. I think I'm due a free lap dance. <laughs> or crazy them things. I don't know like what the heck they could get into. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's like three episodes being introduced at once. Three potential episodes introduced. Three potential episodes, yes. Yeah. But uh yeah, and it's weird. 
Al trying to watch this movie, uh, I guess they ran out of, you know, they, they moved away from the Westerns. Although I guess Bronson's technically uh, has his roots in Westerns. But yeah, it kind of reminded me of Shane or Hondo. Hmm. Hondo, Peg. <laughs> that would have been, I think that would have been a little bit better for continuity's sake. That there, he wanted to watch Hondo and he's clearing everybody out. So this time he will not be interrupted. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been yes. a better choice. Mm-hmm. And and you know, since he's going to be watching this with Griff, you know it can't be Shenandoah because he ain't going to start crying in front of Griff. Well, Griff, Griff cries easily. He'll probably will. But <laughs> I got no family, Al. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm gonna die alone. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm so jealous of you, Griff. <laughs> Just writing uh, an episode right here. (laughs) mm -hmm. You could have been a season eleven writer. I know (laughs) season eleven. Oh come on, I got nine or ten chops at least. Come on. Yeah, but yeah, but you don't have a future in impressions. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, Harold. You're listening to that. Uh, I also liked it that, uh, and they actually come back to this. I thought it was interesting when uh, Al talks about the shoe store that day, that Al was saying that the biggest woman in the world was in front of me at the shoe store, and he was trying to wedge a size four on her foot with his lucky shoehorn, and the next minute she was gone. A woman died in your shoe store? Not the woman pegged the shoehorn. <laughs> that's probably our last fat woman joke of the entire series and <laughs> it does come back into play here in just a in just a, several minutes later yeah it feels like a throw flur- 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 feels like a throwaway joke and he says it's crushed like a beer can at a raiders game <laughs> <laughs> that- <laughs> Uh, Luigi makes a very good point again um, in the notes. Lu- the Raiders are a Los Angeles reference, and you can tell that the writers are therefore from California. So why why would Al worry about a California team when he'd be rooting for like the Bears or something, Chicago based? Mm, wow, yeah, I didn't even think about that. You're right. <laughs> I think it was just a knock on the Raiders. Or of course, in the Grandmaster B days. Uh, that's what Bud would wear would be a Raiders cap and a Raiders jacket. Yeah. And they were the, <laughs> I will say the Raiders, it, I think they probably chose them because they were the, considered for a long time, the bad boys of the NFL because they would, the Raiders philosophy was to find players that were rejected by other teams and turn them into winners. And they did do that. They were very successful. Al Davis, but so I think that maybe why they st- uh, chose them. And on top of that, Raiders fans were notor- are notorious for being some of the worst fans in the world about being loud, obnoxious, and violent. Of course, you have to consider it's Oakland. So, oh, well. And, oh, man, recently our friend Chris Gunter had an experience at an Oakland Athletics game with some unruly fans. He wanted to go visit their stadium and, oh boy, <laughs> he hates athletics fans. And 
I said to him, <laughs> I remember telling him, hey, Raiders fans are just as bad because they're the same group. Uh, hands down, the worst fans I've ever had to cater to would be uh, Steelers. Really? Huh. Oh, my God. I've never seen groups of people get drunk so fast and with such high energy. And the more of them that showed up, the more energetic they all got. I was just like, God dang. Yeah. And and they were messy as hell. Like, I understand it. You want to be jovial, but like, man, I... Like my boss was like, "Hey, Tyler, you gotta be careful, man. These Steeler fans—they go hog wild." And I was like, "Okay, whatever." He wasn't kidding. It was nuts. <laughs> and I find this interesting. Uh, just to throw this in, I remember coming across this a long, long time ago, reading in the, reading a newspaper back in the day <laughs> when newspapers were still around. But a survey had been done of players of all major sports, which included football baseball hockey and basketball and the survey was who are the worst fans to play for and hands down the number one uh, uh, the, uh, the worst fans they listed were philadelphia the city mm-hmm. of brotherly love because that's what <laughs> philadelphia means and you just find that ironic. Even Phillies players, Philadelphia Phillies and Philadelphia Eagles fans admitted, yes, our fans are the worst in the world. In other yeah, words, Phil- they'd rather play in a, whole, in a visiting stadium as opposed to their home one. Um, yeah, I don't I don't understand really that that part of um, the American mythos that people from uh, Philadelphia are like just scumbags. But really has taken off a lot. I don't know where that came from, but I kind of want to visit Philadelphia now just to gawk at that. <laughs> but back to Mary with Children, because I'm sure Annabelle has no idea what we're talking about being <laughs> from down under. And no, you're not missing you're not missing much, Annabelle. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> and then Starla shows up. I'm looking for Bud Bundy. I'm Bud. And you must be Starla? You don't look like Brad Pitt. (laughs) You don't look like Cindy Crawford either. No. But I've got a gun. This is a holdup. Come on. Starla, I hope you don't think I'm weird, but this is kind of turning me on a little bit. Sicko. You told me you lived in a French provincial estate. My cell is nicer than this dump. Star, I, I lied to you because I knew I wasn't good enough for you. And we don't, we don't have any money. And I don't play for the Bulls either. I ought to beat you up. Do you mind putting on a nightie first? Hi, guys. Oh, hey. Bye. Oh, good, your friend came. You guys have a great time. Hey, 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 hey. On the run. I've got nothing to lose. Either you and your sisters cooperate or someone's gonna get hurt. Sisters? Oh, I like her. Oh boy, Starla. <laughs> very, very tiny description of Starla. So Starla was played by Trisha Cast, who was on It's Your Move with Dave Garrison, actually. 
Yeah. Um, and it's pretty much it. And by her acting abilities in this episode, I can kind of see why. She has acting ability. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I was trying to be tactful, Stephen, but all right, coming out with Ouch. guns blazing. Oh boy. I did kind of like the way they met. You don't look like Brad Pitt, and you don't look like Cindy Crawford. <laughs> Again, just the bare bones of an episode that was never made. I thought, thought this would have made a great episode of the family not realizing that Starla was there to hold them up for the entire episode. And everyone just and like Bud and either through his own actions or inactions keeps getting them closer and closer to the vest. And she finally goes insane and it's just like, get me out of here or something like that. Uh, like just kind of this is what happens when the Bundys get like uh, robbed that even the robbers don't like can't stand and it. I don't know. I thought that would have been fun. Yeah. Uh, the and that's the problem with the plot I want to get to later. It's all over the place to uh, in in many different ways, but yeah, she's going to hold him up. Of course, Bud thinks it's a joke, and it's turning him on. <laughs> I love that. I love I love when they play Bud as this freaky little sex fiend. It's so great. <laughs> of course. You know, now she has a whole family hostage, not just Bud, but Kelly and Peck, because they didn't get to leave. And so they're kind of hoping that Daddy will be their, you know, their uh, ace in the hole. Mom, I'm scared. Don't worry, honey. She doesn't know that Daddy's upstairs. He's our secret weapon. (laughs) Yeah, if he leaves the bathroom door open. (laughs) And... I, lo- I did like the line, don't worry, honey. She doesn't know daddy's upstairs. He's our secret weapon. And Kelly says, yeah, if he leaves the bathroom door open. I thought your dad was dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. And again, it's like this thing. of It's better that Al's not in the picture. I think I recall when, um, is it Rock and Roll Girl? No, it was, um, oh, yeah, the Weather Girl and Kelly was uh or pardon when bud was giving tours of kelly's home so as you can all see kelly bundy overcame blinding poverty to become the star she is today and remember later there will be a chance for all of you to purchase some of her bath water so now if you'll just wave to kelly's mother on the way out We'll conclude the tour with the car that Kelly was conceived in and the garage where she was born. Oh, Al, isn't this exciting? He didn't even introduce me, Peg. Well, you know, we discussed it, but the legends seem to work better with you dead. Uh. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. But, uh, yeah, and... uh... They actually, uh, since we're doing the greatest hits, they played Al's greatest hit, The Toilet Flush, which I'm <laughs> going to remind listeners again, the not, the 1970s show, All in the Family, made that very famous by having um, someone ask where the titular, the main character Archie Bunker was, 
And before somebody could answer it, you just heard an insanely loud toilet flush. And everyone, the audience goes like crazy and starts laughing and going nuts because audience members are not used to television audiences in America are not used to hearing any references to bathrooms or toilets or as what, what do you call it in Australia? Water closets, washrooms, um, Lou, Lou, right? The Lou. Yeah. Yeah. The Lou. Aha. Yeah. I have a Canadian well, friend. Who, I have a Canadian friend who keeps referring to it as the washroom. And I'm like, you want to do your laundry girl? All right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like when I heard that toilet flush and then the specifically the audience going crazy, I was like, man, I love that they're remembering the the real like we interesting thing that America had like, like a problem with, you know, just toilets itself. And again, it's just the greatest hits because they already did this much better with the Ferguson where they had Al sitting on a toilet in the middle of the living room. Mm-hmm. So it's just making you remember all these great hits. Hell, the Simpsons it? did it better with <laughs> Alan Pegg and a toilet being flushed in the living room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good and, one. That was great. I would like Starla if I was Peg because she did think Peg and Kelly were sisters. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That was weird. I was waiting for her for it to be an actual secret insult, but it's not. Like, yeah. Hmm. Uh, but I do agree. Yeah, like that. That, is, that was a nice thing for her to say. Like, oh, I like her. <laughs> and yeah. Um. But then somebody else shows up, and that's her boyfriend Lonnie. You. I told you wait in the car. Well, I thought you might need some help carrying that picnic lunch your friends made for us. Howdy, I'm Lonnie, Starla's boyfriend. Starla, where did you get that gun? Wake up, Jethro. <laughs> She's escaped from prison. <laughs> she didn't escape. I was right there picking her up. They let her out that special drain pipe exit in the woods. <laughs> so the media wouldn't harass her. Mom, I can't believe she dumped me for this guy. He's a total moron. I guess he's her boyfriend. And she refers to him as Jethro because he wants to know where she got that gun, but (laughs) she escaped from prison, reminds Peg. And Jethro Bodine. This is the reference. This is a character on the TV series, The Beverly Hillbillies. And it was a sitcom that ran from 1962 to 1971 on CBS. It had an ensemble cast featuring Betty Epson, Irene Rand, Donna Douglas, and Max Payer Jr. as the Clampus Four Backwards family from the Ozarks region of Arkansas and moved to Posh Beverly Hills after striking oil on the land. I thought it was Tennessee. But uh, Jethro was the the dumbest of them all. The others were more just like country bumpkins with some country wisdom. But Jethro was an idiot. And I always kind of like shows around him. One of my favorite ones was when um, he wanted to go, uh, he wanted to buy a rocket. 
to go to the moon, so he used his uncle Jet's money to buy a rocket, and he wanted to go there to meet the moon maidens, and he figured it would have to be true, because they wouldn't put it in a comic book unless it was. But he didn't have rocket fuel, so he used Granny's moonshine. And he lost himself into the Pacific Ocean. Just to give you an idea of how dumb Jethro is. Even though he done graduated the sixth grade. And I, I think my favorite ones, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, are when he wants to be a double-knot spy. I've seen another one of them double-knot spy movies. Uncle Jed, that is what I was meant to be. Not <laughs> not seven has got the world by the tail. <laughs> Yeah, I remember you was all fired up over him a while back. Uh, he's one does all that uh, fighting and loving. Does he ever? <laughs> hey, as long as you're working on shoes, would you mind hollering out the heel so I can put a little radio in there? Radio in the heel of your shoe? Yes, sir. That's where Double Knot 7 carries his. Well, it seems like a mighty unhandy place to carry it. Uh, why don't he just carry it in his pocket? Well, I, I can't tell you that. Secret, huh? No, sir, I just ain't sure. There you are. You carry yours in your pocket. Okay. Hey, but there's something I'm going to need right away, and that's iron for my hat. Iron for your hat? Yes, sir. There was this fellow in the movie that had an iron hat. He kept throwing it, double knot seven. What Trying to kill him. Why didn't he just shoot him? I can't tell you that neither. If anybody goes to skimming iron hats at me, he's going to get one skimmed right back at him. Jethro, on one of these days, you and me's got to have a long talk. (laughs) (laughs) You know, a a play on the James Bond, because that became really big in the 60s with the first three or four movies. And Jethro thought he could be a double knot or zero spy. Lonnie is played by Charles Eston or Chip Eston. And if you have seen maybe uh, the first few years of the American and some of the UK version of Whose Line Is It Anyway or the series Nashville, you're going to recognize this guy. That said, he's been in a lot of things and I think he's a very underrated actor, except in the last few years, um, with thanks to Nashville in particular, he's become more, more well-known. Um, he's also a gifted singer and musician. Um, he needs to do more music. But I first saw him on Whose Line Is It Anyway um, on the UK version and he sang and he could improvise, he can act. And then he showed up on Married with Children. I'm like, oh, I like this guy. Yeah, he's fine. I mean, he's got pretty thin material to work with here, but he's um, he, he's, he's sort of um, pulling as much as he can out of it and I'll mention this probably in part two, but um, he does work with Christina Applegate again after Murder Children ended um, in a similar scenario. So I do like this guy. I think um, I was a fan of his before I actually saw him in Murder Children, which is. Now we're going to need some food for the road. You, go cook us something. <laughs> you. <laughs> Don't think about trying to poison us either. Uh, yeah, uh, she doesn't have to think about it. It uh, just sort of happens. <laughs> All right. It's okay, Mom. It's okay. It's okay. Now, I may not be the best mechanic in town, but I'm pretty sure that's not a Porsche. <laughs> may not even be a car. 
interesting. So, um, yeah, I appreciate this guy. Now we're gonna need a getaway car. We are taking the Porsche. No, not the Porsche! <laughs> Give Lonnie the keys. Thank you. I'm Kelly. <laughs> um, the garage is through that door. <laughs> you know, there is a shot though when Kelly is, you know, oh, probably when Kelly is looking at him lustfully, mm-hmm. love eyed over him. You know, that's a popular thing on the internet, and you, you can see her nipples. You know, and I was watching for it. I was watching for it. And so you cannot see the nipples as portrayed in that picture that floats around the internet. No, you can't. And I've always said this, and I hate when this picture shows up on my feed. I'm like, it's not real. But more and more people are saying, oh, this is Photoshopped. And then Lottie jumps in and he makes the comment. I may not be the best mechanic in the world, but I'm pretty sure that's not a Porsche. may not even be a car. I did <laughs> like that line. <laughs> he has a couple of good lines. I think he's got the best line in the episode, which is coming up. And I'll say when that is. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. at the end. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and when he was referring to that's not a Porsche. Well, that was when he was looking at the Dodge. <laughs> Pretty sure it's not a Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> and then... <laughs> Jefferson. Jefferson comes in <laughs> dressed like a bunny rabbit it's Jefferson is anyone home that's our neighbor you better surrender now because he used to be with the CIA and he is a trained killer <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to just burn, Jim. <laughs> oh, Marcy and I had to show you our costumes. We're going on a charity masquerade cruise. <laughs> I did like that sight gag. I thought that was funny. And he was mm. with, and I forgot who it was who said it, but said, you got to be careful, Jefferson. Uh, yeah. She said, you better surrender now because he used to be a, with the CIA and is a trained killer. Walks in with the bunny rabbits. You know, it reminded me of the old Christmas, uh, a Christmas story with Peter Billingsley. I'm sure you both mm-hmm. have seen that, right? Yeah. Nope. You never seen a Christmas story with Peter Billingsley? <laughs> oh, dang it! I'm done. sorry. I I think you must have cut out. I I didn't hear a Christmas story. I thought you said something else. Uh, okay. Yes, I have seen this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh. Funny and funny enough, you said rabbit. I thought rabbit. Apparently, he's supposed to be a sheep. He's mm-hmm. a sheep, yeah. Because Marcy but... comes in dressed as little, little Bo, Bo Peep. Peep. <laughs> little Bo Peep has lost her sheep. And... Oh, sorry, I didn't know you had company. <gasps> wow, are you guys going on the cruise too? <gasps> what great costumes! Wait, let me guess. Grease monkey and psychotic trailer trash, right? Uh, Marcy. Oh, I love your props. They're so lovely. 
<laughs> Looking really cute, actually. Like, <laughs> and uh, I think that was a callback about Jefferson being in the Darcy files. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Walter Trogett was the guy that um, can ruin Jefferson in some way, but it turned out to be a big hoax as a joke. Or was it? You remember that one time that we reviewed the Darcy files? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I was curious because a lot of people forget that one. Sometimes I do. I remember it because uh, the ending is one of the one of those great endings. That the ending is what steals it for me. Yeah. So Marcy dressed as little boy peep. Is this one of her role playing outfits? Because <laughs> what what is up with what is up with this? Like it hey, why is he here? Why did he show up? I couldn't remember. There was a reference way back in season two. Again, another greatest hits, I suppose, Tyler. So Girls Wanna Have Fun Part Two. Um, Peg says to Marcy, you know, when Bud used to tell them things that went on in Marcy's bedroom. And she said, so Bud made that up about little Bo Peep and the cop. Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. Stephen Stephen Marcy's sex life. Yeah, it's amazing how that spilled into Jefferson when he married her that uh, they uh, have, have that heavy role playing as well. It's just really, you know, I remember Tyler making a reference to the very strange, intense sex life of Jefferson and Marcy and <laughs> I forget. And later I was thinking, oh, I should have thrown in that, you know, it was just as kinky and weird with Steve. Yeah, but I feel like it's gotten tripped double down with uh, Jefferson and Marcy. But does either of you two remember why exactly Jefferson shows up at this moment? Like, really. did he say why? Why no, he's but... there? No. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad. Like, just. I, I love it. I love Jefferson dressed up as a as a sheep, and he got Tevigitly. He made me laugh so much with his just like I, I'm gonna swear a little bit, but his shit eating grin where he's just like hee hee hee, <laughs> like he wa- he carries that that horrible outfit with swagger, and I love it. And I love Marcy coming in after him, but I I literally said out loud, "Wait, why are you guys here?" They like, said they just, wanted to show off their costumes, but it's such a contrivance. I mean, for then go have sex? Like, w- no. Like, <laughs> just say you're going to a costume party. Like, ugh. It's a mystery. And yes, it is. I did notice something, too. It's kind of like, when does Jefferson ever knock before he comes in? Yes. You're hmm. right. I wonder that. He just comes in, you know, all the other episodes, that's what he does. He's like the Kramer for uh, Married with Children. Yeah, I was surprised that it was him at the door, actually. Thank you for pointing that out, Stephen, because of the knock. I thought it was going to be somebody else. Like, I didn't think it was going to be him. I just say that they're going on a charity masquerade cruise. Uh, It's very easy to forget this. (laughs) I must have missed that line. I don't remember that one. Because she thinks that's why she thinks um, Star was a fake, wondering if she's going on the cruise too. That's why she gets a gun. Oh. But oh. It, it's a whole lot of it's a whole lot of nothing. So it's just yeah, just a, a plot device. Interesting. Okay, you know what? Thank you, Annabelle. I will take back my criticism. They did establish that it was a costume party or a costume cruise, I guess. But 
Yeah. Weird. I, yeah. I don't blame you at all for forgetting. <laughs> Good acting, though, when she gets the gun and everyone kind of like loses their mind. Psychotic trailer trash, right? <laughs> Marcy. Oh, I love your props. They're so lifelike. <laughs> Eat that, street scum. <laughs> bang, bang, you're dead. <laughs> this is such fun. Don't give her the gun. No, fun is busting a cap in little Bo Peep's ass. Marcy, this is Starla. She's broken out of prison and she's here to rob us. Of what? <laughs> Jefferson, do something! Okay. Exactly which corner would you like? Right. (laughs) Shut up! I gotta think. And it's the one bit of acting that the Starla girl does very well. When Marcy points that gun at her and she just immediately, like, puts her hands up and is just like, she's trying to, like, hit Marcy and then Marcy turns and just goes, whoop! Like, it's... Very good physical acting by everybody. Yeah. I would. Yeah, I would agree on that. And what I think is funny is that Marcy doesn't realize it's a real gun. She thinks it's a toy or a prop or something. And that's, I mean, if she knew it was a real gun, she definitely would not have tried to get it from her. And then everyone's trying to say, shoot her, shoot her, bang, bang, you're dead. That's Marcy's idea of shooting somebody. This is such fun. What I thought was also funny was when, you know, she says, everybody in the corner. And they say, Jefferson, do something. And all he could say is, which corner do you want us in? It's obvious he was never in the CIA. At least not a field agent. Well, if the show really does get rebooted in whatever form, maybe this could be explored. And if they did... That would be the way to do it, Annabelle. Like, I completely, like, think, like, just have it go completely balls to the wall crazy. Like, have it be Jefferson get uses his contacts to, like, uh, secretly gas the family to think it's still in the still in the early 90s or something that or that they've been asleep for a while. And this is all a secret deep state plot. Starla really surprised me with this whole thing. I didn't even have time to learn how to speak Canadian. Oh. Yeah, I know what you mean. I always wanted to go to Australia, but I don't speak a word of Australian. <laughs> oh, except for, um, koala. <laughs> I love koalas. I got one tattooed on my... <laughs> Starla doesn't like it. She says it makes me look cheap. What are you doing with her anyway? I mean, don't you think she's kind of trampy? Well, that's my type. <laughs> Besides, Starla said it'd be real hard for me to find another girlfriend on account of how ugly I am. Get away from her. She's very moody. You know what? I'll roll with it. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I was trying to understand what uh, Annabelle was saying earlier, but I don't speak a word of Australian. Except for koala. I just say... I'm I'm sure there's people out here out there because of this think it is pronounced koala now. I'm not sure, but they don't actually no one actually corrects them or anything because they're not Australian. So say it's a koala. 
and it's not a koala bear it's just a koala so that's my australian hat i think it's i think if when you see it spelled correctly uh if, if you see it spelled most Americans, if they know how to read, will say it correctly because you would need two O's to make the O sound. Exactly. So it's koala, not koala. And yeah. I remember when, when I was watching this last night, I was thinking to myself, why are they mispronouncing it? <laughs> I was thinking that. Why are they saying it like that? Yeah, I, I don't know why. I just... I, just to emphasize how 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 dim they are, I I don't know, but it, it's kind of cute. But at the same time, it's like no, it's a koala. But yeah, I love koalas, and uh, especially since you know the last couple of years after we had such horrific bushfires, not for the first time, but bushfires of early twenty twenty, right before COVID hit, um, a lot of wildlife and Australian marsupials got killed, and a lot got very damaged and there was a huge movement to um you know donate money and restore restore, i want to say restore these koalas but you know what i mean like um give them aid and and help them out so just in the last couple of years the appreciation for koalas and the love for koalas especially has has grown has been kicked up a notch because a lot of their homes were destroyed in bushfires and they are adorable but they're also evil so if (laughs) if you've ever heard of a drop bear that's something you might hear if you come to Australia. You might hear about drop bears. And, and my understanding is a drop bear is, you know, a koala that just suddenly falls out of a tree and like lands on your head or whatever. And it's like. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. like, like, do they jump on you or do they just like fall asleep and fall on you? Oh, they jump on you. And it's, you know, um, they're very cute and cuddly, but they have claws. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> and some have if you google drop bears you'll probably find something but when you when you guys do come to australia um you probably hear talk of drop bears but no most koalas are you know in national parks and you can cuddle them and their fur is it's i'm um, drop bears are a hoax right <laughs> that's all i i love that i've never heard of that in a million years and if me and steven were visiting australia and I know Australia has like a you know a history of very uh, lethal things there. And you mentioned drop bears. I would turn to Steve and be like, "Oh my God, Steve, what the fuck are drop bears? What is that going to be?" <laughs> like, I would have had no idea koalas. about. <laughs> well, I was just thinking of um, what was that called? Tropic Thunder. You ever see that movie? Yep. Ben Stiller. Yeah. And I think koalas were something he loved and he ended up killing one and he calls his agent uh played by matthew mcconaughey because mr <laughs> was saying i killed him i killed the one thing that i love oh my god you killed a prostitute this is what you did <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was one of the funniest movies of the 2000s oh but jesus but uh like back to oh. back to the two idiots um Kelly and Lonnie, uh, yeah, like one Lonnie doesn't never learned how to speak Canadian, and Kelly doesn't understand Australian. Obviously, both of these countries do not have their own languages. Um, I mean, oh, they do. do. Oh, they we speak. do. We have our own ang- language. <laughs> yes, yes, you are speaking to me right now. I should. Yes, but like, I love. It's my favorite part of the episode really is anytime they come back to Lonnie and Kelly cuz I love seeing two idiots like 
I just love when any time a show makes two very specific people like in love with each other and it just seems so perfect. Yeah, that's why it's cute because they found each other. <laughs> and they're aware of it. Like she's aware, like, oh, you're a moron too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if they both had, it reminds me of the Dumb and Dumber, one of the taglines for the movie. If they both had half a brain, they still only have half a brain. <laughs> I mean, like, I think Peg says something very, or Marcy says something very similar, like in the, in the second episode when she's just like, their, their kids will be rutabagas. Yeah, vegetables <laughs> run in my family. <laughs> and then Al comes down singing his little song. We have got to get the gun away from her. Now we need someone big and strong and expendable. Where is your father? <laughs> you told me your father was dead. That's right. He died. <laughs> Before he could fix the plumbing. Wilson had a gun. With this gun, he killed some scum. Oh. You're from the cable company, aren't you? Al, she's not from the cable company. She's Bud's pen pal, and she's come here to rob us. You see, that's why we don't allow you to have friends, Bud. <laughs> now listen, you're obviously disappointed in Bud. We are too. <laughs> but you see, I already paid for this movie, a and I had to buy a 200-ounce bladder buster to get these here. So why don't you just go... Oh, Charles Bronson had a gun. E-I-E-I-O. With his gun, he killed some scum. E-I-E-I-O. And, oh. <laughs> and I just, all I kept thinking, I was like, thank you for reminding me of an episode I'd rather be watching. I was wondering if you were going to bring that up because... It's, it's my favorite episode. Yeah. Rabbit season. Yep. Yeah. I must say that uh, I've grown to like that episode more because originally... Mm -hmm. That was um, one I didn't care for initially, but I've grown to really to like it a lot more. And I think because Tyler's brought it up so much, for one thing. And the other thing is when I on rewatches, I'm thinking, yeah, this is a good episode. I, I'm kind of an oddball is that originally I did not like my dinner with anthrax. But mm. over the years, especially after they did the uh, podcast episode on it, I grew to like it a lot more, and it's now one of my favorites. And I was wondering, have you two uh, reconsidered episodes that you once thought were good and now think are bad or that you originally thought were okay or bad that you've now grown to appreciate? Hmm. Uh, well, I've got one that comes to mind. I originally loved this, uh, the Sam Kennison episode. Uh, mm -hmm. the major like two part. It was a two parter or a three parter. It's a one part. Uh, for me, it was a two parter. Even though originally it aired as one episode. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, but I I originally loved that one. Then I realized on rewatches, I just love Sam Kinison, mm. and the episode itself is kind of eh. like I I found myself fast forwarding uh, or kind of tuning out until Sam Kinison started talking again. 
So yeah, I have noticed there are episodes that I remembered loving, and I found out that they were for very like one tiny little specific reason, and the rest of the episode didn't fall for me. But Rabbit Season, oh, everything about it, every from frame one to frame to the last uh, moment, I love it. Like, how can you not? It's a Looney Tunes episode. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's cartoonish done well. Yeah. Whereas. And especially, uh, I think, because looking back, now that we're so close to the end, as sad as that seems, and we've been on season 11, season 10, it makes me pine for the earlier seasons more. So, like, episodes we you just mentioned, it, so anything up until, up and including season 7, I miss. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's for episodes that I either like or hate more or like more more or less um now nothing really springs to mind per se but there are episodes that after the podcast i thought oh yeah that's an interesting way of looking at something or i hate um that less or (laughs) something like that um i'm trying to think of a specific example but to use your example tyler i mean i'm not a sam kimmerson fan but i think he's perfect for that episode so it's sort of that middle of the road but everyone seems to love him um, the other, the, the other one He's is awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've heard things about him as well, but um, also the Route 66 two parter. I think that's not a great two parter, but a lot of people like it, and there's some good stuff in it. But I think I've liked it a little bit more since the podcast. I still wouldn't have been a big fan of that one, but another. On the opposite end of the corner, I used to be a big fan of the England show, part one, two, and three. Now, I can skip it. I really don't care for it that much. Yeah, two two or even three-parters on rewatches are kind of... When you make a show, you shouldn't really do that too often. And I think the show did two-parters a little too much because on rewatches, you kind of... It's lost its mystique by being what's going to happen next, and we know what's going to happen next. So what's the point? You know. Yeah, and there were three two-parters in season nine, and at least two of them didn't need to be. Yeah. Or at least one of them didn't need to be two-parters at all. They could have been much stronger single episodes, but I think they have a quota to fill. Um, this does feel like a conversation for the series wrap-up, though. <laughs> so I, you're right. <laughs> yeah, we should probably get back to the episode itself because, but it's it's food for Well, this episode has me. no meat on its bones. So. I know, and this that's a theme that we've seen in this season in this season because we we talk about episodes that aren't great, and then we end up reminiscing. <laughs> what does that say about the show at this yeah. point? Mm-hmm. It was on its way out, but uh, that's a conversation again for the wrap-up show. Anyway, but moving on. Charles Bronson. Uh, yeah, Charles Bronson. <laughs> uh, I have seen Death Wish 1, 2, and 3, but I haven't seen 4. And it's one of those movies that's just generic. It's just the same thing over and over and over. And Wait, I gotta, which one did you... I'm sorry, Stephen. Which one did you say you saw you haven't seen? I, no, I have seen Death Wishes 1 and two and three there was a death wish four made that's when it stopped but i didn't i didn't see that one well uh steven i'm sorry to 
to disappoint you, it did not stop at four. There is a Death Wish five. And there is. Woo, it's even worse. <laughs> hmm. Well, glad I missed it then. Death Wish but four is kind of <laughs> good. I just uh, Charles Bronson. He's one of those guys. He plays the same kind of thing over and over and over. And I got a funny story about one of the Death Wish movies for you. Because I, I met you working in a movie theater. And we got Death Wish 2. And that was when I, when I first started working there. And I did not know this, that movies come in reels when they go to the theater. At least back then. I don't think they do anymore. They're usually three or five reels. And then the projectionist has to splice them together. And, well... When we had Death Wish 2, for the first couple of weeks we were showing it, people were walking out not liking it very much. And one day, and this customer came up to me, she said, excuse me, the reels are out of order on Death Wish 2. I said, and that's what I learned about reels and the splicing them together. And I told my boss, and so we shut down the theater, refunded everybody their money for that. And one and five were in the right place. The two, three, and four were all messed up. We had to, so the projectionists had to re-splice them. And first of all, that led to two things. Number one is that we had to screen movies before they aired. In other words, somebody had to preview it and make sure the reels were in order. The second and probably more important thing was that people started liking the movie a hell of a lot better. If you can imagine why. Jeez. <laughs> uh, um, Annabelle, <laughs> what would you say your experience with the Death Wish movies are? <laughs> um, limited? I, I don't think I have seen any of the Death, Death Wish films, but I feel like I have. And I think it's through think like pop culture again I think my experience with Death Wish extends to The Simpsons mm. with uh, the critics appearance when he reviews Death Wish 9 and it's just Charles Bronson <laughs> on a deathbed I wish I was dead Oi. <laughs> they're cookie cutter movies and they're the same thing I like the first one the second one's okay but after that it's just the same thing over and over yeah, I finally noticed something this last year, and that is all the Jurassic Park movies are the same. Ooh, ah, these dinosaurs are so wonderful. We shouldn't be doing this. Everybody run! Mm-hmm. In heels, if you're a woman. Yeah. Just stick your hand out, and t- and and you'll, raptors will be your friends. Like, it's just, yeah. yeah but um, my death wish is one of my favorite franchises. And for this reason, um, I agree with you, Stephen. Death Wish is the best, the first one. It's like a really, really good, good movie. Um, the the scene where he decides to let, when he's like swinging the sack of quarters around and actually looks lethal and he feels some lethality for the first time in his life and he almost throws up. No, he does. He like goes and throws yeah. up because he can't imagine... I. Could I kill somebody? Could I hurt somebody? Like, wow. It's a good thing. It's like, 
because he's a bleeding heart liberal who heart he's a liberal who heart bleeds for the working class and disenfranchised <laughs> but um death wish 2 i also agree with steven it's just kind of like a crazier uh take on that and death wish 3 i have rewatched more than all of them it's insane it is it's truly where they know that they're in a like just a a Looney Tunes-y kind of, like, movie. Death Wish 4 is like Death Wish 3, except it's like someone did a lot of cocaine. It's one of the most highest, high-end adrenaline, adrenalized movies I've ever seen. And Death Wish 5 was like a bunch of college kids shot it with a camcorder. It was, it was so, so bad. It's the only one I can't find a Blu-ray for, and I'm so glad of that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Death Wish Six couldn't imagine it. <laughs> and, and the first one you mentioned, he did throw up after he killed his first uh, person, mm-hmm. the first person, and that was an issue going on not just in New York but around the United States at that time, because you know that was the era of um, liberalization of civil rights because it what they were civil rights, they were legitimate ones. And it aired so much to the liberal side. I had the conservative backlash. And Bronson wasn't the only one who did things like he had Chuck Norris right wing movies. Sylvester Stallone right wing Mm -hmm. movies. So anyhow, it was just a trend. But But it also it also hit the pop culture in a way that a lot of action films didn't because New York at that time had a horrible, horrible crime, like epidemic, um, oh, yeah. violent crime. And uh, like people, there was a, there were dudes who did what Paul Kersey, uh, that's what Charles Bronson plays in the movie, uh, Paul Kersey. They did what he did. Like they went on um, subways and rode the subway all day long with a loaded gun underneath their um, underneath their jackets, just hoping that one of these guys will come and attack them so they can blow them away. It got so bad that Charles Bronson actually had to go on television and go, hey, don't do what I do. <laughs> it's a movie, not real life. And it's just... it. It's important, I think, for audiences and moviegoers now to know that about New York before they go watch Death Wish, because it changes how you feel about Paul Kersey. Yeah, by the way, um, uh, what year were you born again, Tyler? Wasn't it 91 or something like that? Uh, 22 days into 1990. Into 1990. Annabelle, when were you born? December 82. Okay, well, you were very young when it happened, but there was a subway shooter named Bernie Getz, and he was a fr- person frustrated with the crime, and he did. He shot, uh, I think it was uh, three people who tried to mug him, killed at least one or two of them, and it was a big thing because it was about vigilante justice, and that happened in 1984, and you might find this interesting, Tyler, maybe you too, Annabelle, that um, a lot of people rallied behind him, including a new organization that formed under him called the National Rifle Association. I was wondering why Bernie Getz sounded familiar. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a good Netflix special on that. I forget where it is, though. So you might look Google that if you're and interested in trying to find it. Oh, yeah. And it was technically, technically in self-defense. 
But if you like, it was pretty much like he flat out said, like, yeah, you ride the if you ride the subway that long and just stare at and just and like kind of make eye contact with enough people sooner or later, you're going to be marked, which I guess is showing there was a that's a bad issue with your city that that could happen. But he was I don't want to say it, but he was asking for it like he was he wanted the opportunity to do it. So in my mind, it's maybe not straight murder, but it it's like uh, with intent. There was intent behind there. Well, you know, and then there was uh, one of the damning things in his uh, trial was that apparently uh, witnesses, several witnesses confirmed this and he admitted to it. He went over to one after he had shot and says, look, you look like you haven't had enough and fired like two or three more shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. <laughs> Enough of uh, New York. Let's go back to Chicago, where the Bundys live. Nice segue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so yeah. Uh, at this point, I think we are. Everyone is in the living room. Uh, we are fully contained, as as you say, Annabelle. Um, and uh, oh wait, no, we're not here. We have one more person who hasn't shown up yet. I'll wait for till we get to him. You're talking about uh, Al, or are you talking about Lucky? Well, Al's down there. He came down and was singing his song. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just read in our notes, the drink that I want to be real, the 200-ounce bladder buster, because we because <laughs> Griff's at the door, right? <laughs> I didn't think, wasn't that until later, I think? Just a few minutes later? Is it? I thought. Did I? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. It is a little bit later, but it's know, because you t- see it. You see the bladder buster in Griff's hands. I think that's why I'm remembering yeah. it. Yeah, uh, Al mentions it first. He said um, he had to. He, he wants everybody out because um, he paid for this movie and he had to buy a 200 ounce bladder buster to get his 3D glasses. <laughs> so it got mentioned first, and then before Griff comes in, um, Peg's mm-hmm. beloved remote control has to get shot. Spoiler alert. <gasps> Big, tough bride picking on a helpless little remote, aren't you? You wouldn't be so tough without that gun, now, would you? No, you idiot. That's why I've got it. Kind of what I said, isn't it? Oh, Al, I'm afraid. Hold me. Peg, Peg, my life's in danger here. It's important I maintain my will to live. Okay, Dad. Now, we've got to come up with a plan. What would Charles Bronson do? Well, he'd usually go on a revenge spree after his loved ones were brutally slaughtered. (laughs) Think of something else. All right. All right, I've come up with a plan. It's dangerous and risky. I'll need a volunteer. Oh, croquet. Thanks a lot. Lucky. Lucky here, boy. Go get the cops. Go get the cops. Good boy. What a good dog. Loyal, strong, and brave. plan i've got another idea but this time he tries to tell lucky to go get help like last cops yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh yeah which is to me so cute i know lassie could do it you know he could bark and 
And the cows were like, what is it, boy? Bark, bark, bark. What is it? Is there trouble? Bark, bark, bark. And then Lassie will lead them <laughs> to, you know. To the Timmy in the well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, there was a great Seinfeld episode that uh, <laughs> that parodied that when Kramer was taking dog medicine because he had the same symptoms as the dog. Oh. There's also a good Simpson episode where um, Homer's uh, burning to death. Uh, I think I've conflated it, but uh, Homer yells to the dog, like, get help, or like, help, pull me to safety. And he's literally just trying to get a candy bar out of Homer's shirt and then runs away. He's like, you stupid mutt. <laughs> <laughs> or even better yet was when even though I'm not a big fan of the computer show, I I always get a kick out of the beginning when they're Al and Peg are watching Rin Tin Tin. What is it, Rinty? You say that bad men are coming from the southeast by boat and they're armed with knives? <laughs> they're armed with guns and they're foreigners. Good boy. Thanks to you, the village will be saved. <laughs> Aw, we love you too, boy. <laughs> you know, I just realized that we've got someone in this house that eats, lies around all day, and does absolutely nothing. <laughs> Aw, Buck is cute. I was talking about you, Peg. <laughs> but the dog's pretty useless, too. <laughs> And Lucky is just as useless. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you for finishing that, Steven, because I was like remembering it as you were saying it, and I'm like, when you when you were like, I was talking about you, Peg, and I'm like, man, I remember falling on the ground laughing, but not from that. Ah, uh, he's pretty useless too. <laughs> <laughs> See, that was good writing. Yeah. Yeah. Good writing and good, like you could, you could feel in that episode, like the characters, like the high energy and the and the 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 feeling of 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 connectedness between them. And this one, like I said, it's really like they're all reading from different scripts. Mm -hmm. But yeah. can I talk about the bladder buster? Yeah, please do. Oh, I love this thing so much. The drink I want. So, Al, as you said, Annabelle had to pay, had to buy the two hundred ounce bladder buster from Seven Eleven to get. Do they name check Seven Eleven, or did I just remember that? I don't think so. Okay, well, he had to buy this okay. thing to get his three D glasses. Very cute. But the bladder buster, any of the ubiquitous, huge outrageously obnoxious and I'm gonna edit that note from Luigi delicious and wonderful and should be sold everywhere soft drink containers sold in convenience stores like 7-Eleven they get larger each year and before long some nut that'll be me will weld a cash bar to a 55 gallon drum walk into a come and go and expect a 59 cent refill well, inflation, it'll be more like 65 cents. But no, like, uh, the, I love the Bladder Buster. I will do anything to get that actual prop that they had, that they have Griff <laughs> holding later. 
Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's just this huge thing. I've got the uh, 7-Eleven um, big drink. It's uh, only 64 ounces. <laughs> and uh, hey, I work in the hot in the hot sun during the summer. I need a big drink, and I got a big big thirst. So yeah, that's smart. Anyway, they're called know, big getting... gulps, if I remember correctly. Yep, uh, Speedway has their own version of it. <laughs> yeah, but there there's something else too is that now Starla wants to get away. She sure as hell isn't going to get away in the Dodge. Another idea. Uh-huh. Are you going to command a squadron of flies from your hamper to attack? <laughs> if I could command those flies, do you think you'd still be alive? Al, please do something. I'm about to, Peg. I'm toting around 200 ounces of Mr. Pib. <laughs> hey, girly. Mind if I hit the can? All right, Lonnie, go with him. Lonnie, where the hell are you? Still looking for that Porsche. <laughs> were you back there with Lonnie? Kelly, are you crazy? You guys, we were just talking. We happen to have a lot in common. We both hate green eggs and ham, but we think the book is pretty funny. I remember, no matter how she threatens us, do not tell her about the Mercedes. Hey, what are you whispering about? We have a Mercedes that's next door. Take it. Here are the keys. No, I won't let you. <laughs> and Marcy says to Jefferson, don't tell her about the Mercedes. And what does Starla want? The Mercedes, because she hears them. And <laughs> Marjorie tries to hide the keys in her cleavage and it drops all the oh. keys drop all the way through. I did like that one. I thought that was a funny joke. Best small boob joke ever. Amazingly in this very, very, very low level episode. That was great. <laughs> the look on her ironic. face. It's a bit ironic though, isn't it? Because that outfit she's wearing, she doesn't look particularly flat chested, I have to say. But I I like it for the joke. I think she's stuffing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she must be. Yeah, little Bo Peep uh, used some of that wool and for other places. So yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right, Stephen. The the clang of those keys hitting the ground and the look on her face. <laughs> she's just like, "Kill me now! Just just kill me now!" Mm-hmm. Like. <laughs> And then Starla gets upset with Lonnie for talking to Kelly, but they have a lot in common. We both hate green eggs and ham, but we think the book is pretty funny. Oh, um, I think we might have skipped over it. Uh, just want to point out that we find out that Al's uh, drink of choice for his bladder buster is not ironically, very sincerely, my favorite soft drink, Mr. Pibb. Or as we call it now, Pib Extra. I don't care. You can call it whatever you want. I love it. Oh, my little pretty one. When are you going to give me some time, Sharona? Oh, you make my motor run. My, my, Sharona. Old 
taste of Mr. Pibb. Put it in your head. So if you don't mind, I will give a little brief description of Mr. Pibb for our uh, soda enthusiasts. Uh, so and also Mr. for people like me, because I've, I've never heard of this. Because we don't have it yet. No, you, you wouldn't have. It's been almost... Com- almost destroyed in most parts of america there's only one place i can get it and that's in my movie theater in cinemark and i literally order a gigantic drink even if i'm not thirsty just because it's the only place i can get mr pib so mr pib is a soft drink created and marketed by the coca-cola company first introduced to compete with dr pepper Hmm. yeah it it kills dr pepper sorry uh, even though it lost the branding wars. Uh, it has several variants. As of 2020, it is sold in bottles, cans, and two-liter bottles. I haven't seen them anywhere. And is available in most Coca-Cola freestyle machines. First introduced as Peppo to compete against Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and the name quickly changed to Mr. Pib. So after Dr. Pepper sued the Coca-Cola company for trademark infringement. So do you either want to hang out with uh, the doctor or the mister? (laughs) The original test markets for Mr. Pibb in 1972 were located in Waco, Texas, the birthplace of Dr. Pepper, before the company moved to Dallas, Texas. So, yeah, it's even though it says in our notes that as 2020 it's sold in bottles and cans, I'm sure you could get them on eBay and whatnot, but I I shop at a lot of places. I do my shopping in like five different stores because certain stores have certain things that I like. And I legit can never find Mr. Piv anywhere. So, yeah. yeah. I I remember when it came out uh, a long time ago. Well, maybe not when it came out, but I do remember it being around a lot more in the 70s and early 80s. But that's one that just faded away. Uh, are you familiar with RC Royal Crown Cola? Oh yeah, yeah. That's tastes more like a pe- somewhere between Coke and Pepsi, but mm. they were that was their competition, and so there's always competition in the soft drink market. So I'm a Pepsi guy. That's my big uh, weakness, Pepsi. My uh, my uh, lunch of choice and my early college days was a was two bottles of annabelle you're gonna like cringe i know it but two bottles of dr pepper and two big bags of skittles i I know it turns the candy into sludge in your mouth but i would but but the sugar rush you get is incredible ice the rainbow oh yeah and i did many 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 days in lit class um I've but, got a uh, question about these bladder busters in in episode yes. question. Mm-hmm. Al had to buy a bladder buster to get one pair of 3D glasses, right? That's what he says mm-hmm. or implies. But he's got one pair that he had on and is now on top of his head, but he's got another pair in his shirt pocket. So huh. did he get two pairs or is this a massive error? I mean... I mean, it would be. I'm just trying to, yeah, I'm just trying to get a shot of Al with his front on. Yes, he's got one on his head and one in his pocket. Wow, you're right. Oh my god, he does. Mm. Well, you know what? I'm gonna say, boring answer. It's a continuity error. Um, 
Fun answer. Al got two. One for the ride home and one for the movie. Right home. <laughs> yeah, watching. like he... They're watching yeah. you at home, aren't they? Well, no, 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 no. He had to buy the bladder buster first. So you ever you ever heard that when you're like when you when you want to be like a really fat person and you just go well you got to guy you got to buy two of these things one for the ride home and then one to eat on the, on the ride home and then another one when you get home to put in the in the fridge like that I like that idea more that he's such a pig and maybe that's why he has to go to the bathroom so quickly mm-hmm. when he gets home oh yeah and then we do have to address that uh, that lucky did come back. You didn't go get the police. All in the sake of uh, falling in love with Jefferson. That kicked me out. I thought that was dumb. He's falling in love with a giant yeah. sheep. I mean, yeah, Lucky's love life is um, a, a um, topic around this time. It's on par with in, Bud's. In, in, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're both into furry but if, things. <laughs> <laughs> but if you remember in um, Lesby Friends uh, from last week or the week before uh, i forget the order um we find out that that, that lucky is gay mm, oh yeah you're right <laughs> or possibly bisexual but most it's implied that he's gay so maybe lucky is now into giant sheep or men dresses giant sheep i don't know but they've got two lame jokes in a row crops instead of cops and falling in love but the only thing I liked about that was they play the same music as when Kelly falls in love with Lonnie. And that music, by the way, is from Romeo and Juliet, the, the official theme by Prokofiev. Oh, really? That's where yeah. that came from? It's, I've, I've it's heard the that. love theme from Romeo and Juliet. I've, hmm. heard, I've heard that a million times. It's always the go-to thing. Like, I... I swear I play it in my head when I see like a girl that I think is attractive or some crap like that. Like yes. I've literally, my brain plays the music, but yeah, like, wow. Thank you. Annabelle. I no idea. It was from I, will, I will double check to make sure, but yeah, it should be, <laughs> but yeah, you hear it so often. But yeah, I agree with you, Steven. It's a lame, lame joke that belongs at like the right before the credits you know what i mean right before like the smash cut where you're just like just like a little tagline but it does not need to be in the episode at all you know and then later you can see well it's not really lucky it's more like a prop pumping uh jefferson's leg that's funny that that's actually kind of funny (laughs) i didn't i didn't care for that much either it's just an old trope because dogs do that all the time that's why That's I thought really- it was cute. Yeah, I, it, it reminded me of my dog. He would do that sometimes. I would literally be able to. My my mom's old dog, very small thing. She would wrap herself right around my legs, and a few times I, I could just I could take like five or ten steps, and she would just go with me. <laughs> when I was a kid, we had a miniature schnauzer named Fred. He would never do that. I, he was bred for personality, and maybe they made him out. Because he wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, some dogs do, some don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we did breed him with another uh, Schnauzer. He got together with that one and made some puppies. But no, he didn't do the leg humping, and I, that's always irritating with dogs. Dogs, you know, control your sexual 
desire if you can. You know, and you mentioned about mm-hmm. Lucky being gay. Most most dogs will try and one male dog will quite often try and hunt another male dog. Yeah, well, mm. true. I mean, most of the animal kingdom in mammals is if it has a if it has a hole, I mean, fill it. Like, I mean, it's just it's it's such an instinctual thing. I wasn't even trying to be lewd. Like, that's basically what it is. Like, if it it's an it's such an instinctual thing. Like, it also happens if you uh, spay or neuter your pets too late, um, and their uh, and their um, estrogen or testosterone levels reach a certain peak, but they don't know what to do with it because they you removed that ability so you'll find like a lot of little dogs will like they'll hump stuff animals like all the time and just in a they just know instincts are telling them to do this even though they can't do anything about it my dog steven was not humping my leg i should i should have per se like she just wrapped herself around my leg and held me (laughs) and would stay you know, it kind of reminded me of Buck when they bred him and they got a bill for $100,000, $10,000. No, it was $100,000 because Buck humped the other dog to death. God, it's one of my, one of the best. That episode made me laugh so much. Or to death out, <laughs> to death to, peg. To death And peg? beyond peg. And beyond. <laughs> That's... One of I mean, if you have to, <laughs> if you have to go, like there are worse ways, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> he peaced. He falls. He falls over when he lifts his leg. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> They're like Buck, really? <laughs> and then that's when Griff shows up. Al, has the movie started? <laughs> Oh, man, I missed the beginning. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> this 3D is incredible. Take off the glasses, Griff. Sorry, wrong house. <laughs> that Negro family, where they live, next door? I love his lie. Sorry, wrong house. That Negro family, where do they live next door? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably <clears throat> probably the funniest line in this one, I think. Uh, so as Harold Sylvester himself even mentioned that in his interview with us. So go back and listen to his interview to see what he says about that line. Yeah. Still my favorite interview we've ever had. Not Best. knocking any of the others. I just really like that one. Mm-hmm. It's a very close second for me. I do like um, I sorry, I do like uh, when Griff oh uh, when Griff stares at uh, Starla it goes wow these three D glasses are awesome because he's wearing the three D glasses and he yeah. thinks like he's watching the TV already <laughs> and just to throw this in there uh, I remember back in that time in the mid to late nineties. There was a 3D thing going on. I remember Home Improvement doing one where if you bought these yep. 3D glasses, there would be a segment in there. And there were at least two, maybe three others that were trying to do the 3D thing. And I guess they were trying to bring it back as a whole or some somehow. But 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, I do remember that. I don't know if this was playing into that or not. Or, but... Oh, it totally well, Mar- was. Married Children did a 3D episode three seasons earlier, and the end of season eight. They just, I think they had to do it because Fox was doing a 3D event mm-hmm. that night. But that episode and this episode, it's about the end time it's been mentioned. Put on your 3D glasses now or something like that. If you have them. Like, it might have tied just... in with the when they showed the mask on Fox with the same night they showed Dan Bundy's with all that all its special effects. Maybe that's tied in. It's just mentioning that again. I don't know, but they might have been contractually obliged to mention something in 3D. That is a possibility. Didn't you see the help sign I hung out of the bathroom window? God, you've been hanging help signs ever since I've known you. Well, I'm not really good at writing letters, especially the... The capital ones, but for you, I'll do Why you move your ass! I will see you losers in hell. Super premium and light it only, please! <laughs> Jefferson, I feel so violated. Me too. <laughs> It's scared. Can we talk about yeah. how Al has mispronounced Mercedes again? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. It just it's it's a bugbear because we talked about it in the Stafford Peg, which we reviewed a few weeks ago, and he said it again in this one. Um, it's just the way he says Mercedes is Mercedes, and we don't have a definitive reason why. Well. I think I think the, the a car Mercedes is so beyond what Al Bundy could ever feel like he could ever afford. He just doesn't even know how to pronounce like good car names. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> I thought he was trying to make a play off of Marcy Marcy Satan, mm. you know, something like that. Yeah, and it kind of struck, strikes me as odd that. Marcy would have a Mercedes because Steve had a Mercedes and he was always talking about it. And she even references it in um, an episode. I forget which one when the Bundys try to sue the guy who hit their kids, I think. And Marcy was a witness and she was against Mercedes. Oh, Mrs. Rhodes, you didn't really see who was at fault, did you? No, but the Mercedes had to be. My ex-husband drove a Mercedes. You may step down, Mrs. Rhodes. He left me like the parsley on a plate at a truck stop diner. He loved that damn car more than he loved me. They have to stop making those cars, don't you see? They're evil. They tell the man, you don't need a wife. You're a coal guy. Look at that teenager over there. It's not the men, it's the cars. I'm warning you, America. Keep your husbands out of German cars. Ask me what Farfin Nugan means. Then we get the cops showing up. Is everybody okay? Then get out. This dumb, my life went straight to hell. So did mine. <laughs> Hello? It's the police. Yeah, Starla's here, but 
She's busy holding us hostage, but can I take a message? <laughs> Just give me the phone. What? Hello, this is Bud Bundy. Yeah, the guy with the dolls. <laughs> First they call. What? Hello? This is Bud Bundy. Yeah, the guy with the doll. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Isis, again. You know, I saw something on Facebook yesterday. I, I, I started to put it up on, I forgot to put it on the, uh, on our Facebook page, but it's like these uh, intelligent, like AI, artificial intelligence uh, girlfriends or something like that. And so it's a full type of uh, robot that can respond. And I'm wondering, I guess Buzz is going to go after one of those next. <laughs> I first thought when I saw that. Yep. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Stephen, I just found yeah. something interesting now. It, it's it, it makes it even better um, to go back when you said when Bud answered the phone or took the phone from Kelly and was like, this is Bud Bundy. Yes. Yeah, the guy, he, he doesn't say the guy with the doll. Even worse, the guy with the dolls, plural. I mean, uh -oh. he has more than one. <laughs> and the police know about it. One to rock, one to stock. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> now listen up, pigs. I want a car to the airport. I want a plane to Brazil and $50,000 cash. I demand the same thing. <laughs> and I need more Mountain Dew. Then <laughs> Starla wants to make her demands. I want a plane to Brazil and $50,000. Al says I demand the same thing. <laughs> yeah he would want and that like, too the f oh my god it like Al's line that made me laugh that was cute I enjoyed it but when Stella I keep calling her Stella Starla right yeah Starla yeah Starla Starla yeah. Starla. Starla yeah when she grabs Al and, and like points that gun doesn't even point it kind of just like holds it limply um Right then and there, I'm like, okay, it's like I'm watching a Saturday Night Live sketch. <laughs> because the show's always had a kind of wink, wink, uh, kind of slapsticky kind of thing going on. But it was always so fluid that you kind of believed what the people were doing. This was just like, uh, it, it was almost like it was improv in a weird way. And I, Improv's good, but you need a good actor to do that. And Starla is not. I find it hard to believe that uh, like a girl, a lady Starla's size can shove around a guy as Al's size. I know it's in the script and you sort of believe it for a split second, but yeah, nah. <laughs> well, she has a gun and yeah. Al secretly know, would but... love to die, so... Yeah. He's like, whatever. <laughs> Griff also what? says he wants more Mountain Dew. And tell I you about Dew. <laughs> it's a carbonated soft drink, a brand produced and owned by PepsiCo. And an urban legend about it suggests that the dye number yellow, heart lowers your sperm count. But it's never been linked to anything like that. 
And another movie theater story I'll never forget when these three guys came in at the last minute and to see a movie there. So they were in a hurry to get to the concession line and they all ordered um, a large drink. After the end of the uh, movie, I got the trash can to go down and pick up stuff. And I went down, I saw those guys leave. They were in towards the very front. I go up there and I look down and see, oh, they had Mountain Dew. And I had to stop and think, wait, we don't sell Mountain Dew here. Yeah. <laughs> they did not uh, want to go to the bathroom. They just peed in those cups in the auditorium. Oh, I wanted to kill them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Annabelle, <laughs> some American colloquialism here. Mountain Dew, at least in my region, is always referred to by teens and other such men as moose piss. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> as they crack another one and drink it i'm like oh it does look like, like pee. yeah it's disgusting and isn't it what in, in the simpsons again you know um is it the cluff clash no oh it, no it's crab juice our yep. uh, homer wants to take crab juice over mountain dew it was mountain dew wasn't it yeah Ugh, i'll take the crab juice <laughs> mm-hmm. mountain dew it- <clears throat> pardon me Got a dry throat this morning. You need some Mountain Dew. Oh, I was going to say that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. He has more caffeine than any other soft drink. And I just never really cared for it too much. But, oh, well. Oh, Lord. I've never been in trouble with the police before. Yeah, me neither. Well, except for graduation night at the academy. (laughs) You know, Kelly, there's something I've been meaning to tell you for several minutes. You make me feel all funny, like my insides turned to whipped cream. When I look at you, my my legs turn to jello. You know, whipped cream and jello, they go real good together. Oh, you're making me hungry. (laughs) Every time those two are together, I'm liking it. Well, when I look at you, my legs turn to jello. You know, whipped cream and jello, they go real good together. Like, just these, just, their Id- idiotic flirtation. I was just like, oh my God, please, camera, stay on them. <laughs> but they bring up Jello, which should be talked about. And it's a variety of gelatin desserts or fruit flavored gels. There also include some puddings and no baked cream pies. And the original dessert is a restaurant trademark of Kraft Heinz. It's which is based in Chicago, Illinois, or Illinois, pardon me. American entrepreneur Peter Cooper patented the gelatin in 1845. And then in 1897, he sold that uh, to uh, Pearl Bixby Waite and his wife, May. And they trademarked the name with the trademarked the name for themselves now. And it was a product that was made from strawberry, raspberry, orange, or lemon flavoring. Anyway, this dessert was really popular in the 30s and 50s. And man, I remember it was really popular in the 1980s uh, because of a certain nameless person who did a lot of promoting of the Jell-O. For always knowing that we love Jell-O pudding, here's to mine. And for always letting us lick the spoon after she mixes it, here's to mine. And for not getting mad at us because we wore Dad's bowling shoes into the bathtub, here's to mom! 
Kids love Jell-O brand pudding. And since it's probably on your shelf, why not make some tonight? Here's to you, Mom! <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's still popular. And this is maybe a callback to, I don't know, when Kelly was taking home economics and then it was discovered Peggy never graduated because she didn't finish her home economics course. And so she had to take the course with Kelly. Peggy has to make rack of lamb. Kelly has to make jello. Al eats Peggy's rack of lamb. And it was surprising he didn't eat her jello because there's always room for jello. <laughs> but back to the episode. We end up with this uh, struggle all of a sudden. Come out with your hands up. Well, that's it. I am going to start offing people. Well, then you're going to have to off me first, Starla, because we're finished. I don't want a life of crime. But you want a life of trash? If that trash's name is Kelly Bundy, then yes, ma'am, I do. <laughs> I love you, Kelly. <laughs> you happy now, Peg? You drove both our children into the arms of criminals. Well, I, I just wanted them to do better than I did. Bonnie, I don't usually say this fully clothed, but I love you, too. Oh, well, thank you very much, Blondie. You made it real easy for me to decide who's getting it first. Starla, no! <laughs> And Starla shoots out. Well, mm. yeah. <laughs> oh, I will give this episode credit. Like that, that shoe, that shoehorn uh, yeah. thing coming back was good. I had completely forgotten about it. So Chekhov's broken shoehorn came back and that was it the shoehorn stopped the um the bullet from getting into getting into al's chest and you know i and that's where i thought ah, sorry i lost my, my mind is going all over the place but al was saved by that shoehorn he thought he had lost it ended up in his pocket and stopped the bullet and uh, i hate these cpr jokes Marcy made a terrible one. I know CPR, and she's like getting ready to give him rescue breasts. If you know CPR, you know, one, you don't do CPR to someone who's conscious. And <laughs> two, he's alert. He's uh, aware of what's going on. She never checks for a pulse. And why in the hell would Marcy <laughs> give Al mouth to mouth? And why would you do it for a gunshot wound? Yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it, it maybe but i feel like all the pumping and blowing might blow more blood out of you like you just 
Yeah, you would not do that. I remember being a medic on an ambulance. No, that's not the uh, what you would do if someone was shot. You want to I stabilize could buy it if she go. was saying as a joke to get Al to react and come out of it, but she was being serious, so it doesn't work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like or a- have Jeff have Jefferson go like Marcy, you know CPR. Oh please, Marcy, save us. Yeah, save my daddy. Come on, you got to. She goes, Oh, oh okay and like grudgingly goes near him and he just goes i'm awake <laughs> like that, yeah, that would have been better there. that would have been yeah i like that idea that's a good one uh, <laughs> we should just write our own episode someday like we really should it's <laughs> we're doing, well, we could I, do one of those things better where you than feed season a bunch 11. of scripts into a robot or into a computer and a computer spits out an episode you might see this for other shows on the internet occasionally and i think we could do that with married children shoving you know a bunch of scripts or all the scripts and it might spit out a, a script that could very easily sit in a season 11 <laughs> episode yeah <laughs> we put um, in every script for every episode and the computer just dies <laughs> yeah i love the uh, jerks yeah i love the uh you know, TV Guide ha- will give you a summary of the plot. And there are some where I, I am serious that you could write, use the same plot over and over for shows like Happy Days. Fonzie saves Ralph Ritchie and Potsy from certain doom. I mean, that was a common one. Uh, family Matters. Urkel gets on the nerves of Winslow family. Yeah, that's about every mm-hmm. episode. And my favorite one of them all, Gilligan Ruins a Possible Rescue. <laughs> or um friends pointed this out to me before i ever really watched the show uh oh look it's that episode of three's company where there's some type of misunderstanding oh that's <laughs> another one yes uh-huh. that's a good one. and i, I watched 10 episodes because it's a if uh, it's available on pluto tv for our american listeners annabelle i don't know about you um but uh yeah three's company's on there i watched five episodes and every single one is a misunderstanding i was like wow well i mean if it if it ain't broke like don't fix it i guess mm-hmm. but now we're wrapping things up and lonnie and starla are taken into custody you saved my life oh, <laughs> hey kelly Who's going to have the imprint of a shoehorn in his chest the rest of his life? Daddy, this is no time for riddles, okay? (laughs) Mommy almost died. Let's go, dirtbags. Wait, wait. Can we still be pen pals? Oh, what the hell? Write to me and care of the whole. And they're being escorted out by the police. But before that can happen, Lonnie proposes to Kelly. Kelly? This is not how I dreamt of this moment. But neither could I have dreamt of meeting someone as beautiful and perfect and smart as you. (laughs) Kelly Bundy, will you marry me? I thought you'd never ask. (laughs) I'll wait for you. I will too, my darling. No matter whose wife I am in prison, I'll always be your husband. Getting married. 
<laughs> Damn you! <laughs> Not even 30 minutes later. Lonnie does have a good line in there when after he proposes and he says, no matter whose life, pardon me, no matter whose wife I am in prison, I'll always be your husband. That's the line of the episode for me. And that's <laughs> the, I think he gets the best line. Um, and it's such a great exit line. Um, and <laughs> he delivered it well, but yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's what that's sort of saw the episode and was a nice ending to a yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't understand Al's reaction at the end. Yeah, I didn't understand Al's reaction at the end though, but because he says, uh, Peg says, Our Al, our little girl's getting married, isn't life wonderful? And Al says, Damn you. I didn't quite understand who he was damning. Was he damning Lonnie? Was he damning God? I don't know what was going on. It, it just seemed very unclear to me. Damn you for this yeah. horrible episode. Like, it, it just... <laughs> Maybe, yeah. See, he just praised that shoehorn. He said it had a little luck left. And then he's saying, isn't life wonderful? Damn you. I mean... Maybe it's... Yeah, that's yeah. a good... It's not clear. It's... No, ma'am, we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. We're back. Annabelle, how many shoehorns are you going to give um, the desperate half hour? Oh, golly. Well, I don't know where to begin. <laughs> um, I had two different scores going in and i think my score has decreased a little bit on upon examination <laughs> because when you think about it this episode is so ridiculous and <sighs> i can't really call myself a fan of this episode but i appreciated what they were trying to do the show is running out and it's completely run out of steam and it's almost done, so they have to wrap something up. And they had this idea to do a real-time episode and make it a bottle episode, you know, where everything's in the same room. And the real-time experiment worked back in season one and Johnny Be Gone because he didn't really notice it. Here you don't notice it so much, but it is all just one big scene and they did have to throw everything and every body in it for it to start to work. And it sort of almost worked, but... It's just so cartoonish and very silly. And I, Kelly getting a marriage proposal is nothing new, but to get one after spending twenty minutes with some random guy—I mean, it, they they were very cute together, and like, well, they were adorable. But um, marriage proposal—I don't buy it. It's very. Uh, what is sweet is our getting in the way of Kelly, of his daughter, saving his daughter's life potentially. 
Um, I didn't like that. Then she just shoved him out of the way. Um, that's also a note for any Australian viewers who saw this episode for the first time. They edit, they sort of burned it off. I think late '98, possibly '99, but um, they actually they were airing episodes later and later. But then they brought this up to be like 9:30, 10 o'clock, and they actually advertised this episode with this final two episodes, and they advertised it as like a Dallas-esque "Who Shot Al Bundy," and it was just completely different to what the episode was was aiming for, striving for. So. Um, yeah, the guest actors are interesting. I do like um, Lonnie's actor because I I, knew, I know of him outside of the show. If I just knew him on the show, I probably wouldn't be a fan. Um, Trisha Cass is just interesting because she's um, she's got married to him history. But, um, yeah, silly jokes. The occasional line, I mean, like I said, Lonnie gets the line of the episode for me personally. I mean, but Griff has also got a killer line in there um, <laughs> with Charles Sylvester also likes um and there's a couple of other bits and pieces here and there but all in all it's very silly very we know it's cartoonish but it's overly cartoonish at this point so i find myself weighing this episode up against part two so in that regard i think i'm going to give this episode mm, i'm going to give it two and a half shoehorns I don't think I can go higher than that, although I part of me wants to. But no, the show is it's it's running out of steam. It has run out of steam, but uh mm. Tyler, how many shoehorns are you gonna give this episode? Well, I was leaning t- also like Annabelle, I was leaning to one score, but her review actually made it go down because she pointed out some yeah it's your fault annabelle um no she pointed out some things and it was funny it was the stuff that annabelle pointed out that was the things that she was praising like what they were trying to do that they were being rushed that they had to bring back this episode and do all these things and my answer to that is if you can't do it right don't do it and our main problem is that this is part one of part of of a two-parter which is not even like really it's not first off it's not called part one so the audience is not going to understand or or be on board with that going in i wasn't on board with that going in like i said i, I watched both of these episodes i i must have skipped um I must have skipped a lot of season 11 during my first real watch of the show because I don't remember these at all. And when I was watching it, I'm like, what? It's like, what's going on here? And then when uh, the part two starts, I was like, oh, it's a two parter. OK, that makes sense. And I really honestly think that would have changed my watching and my viewing if I had known it was a part one of part two, I seriously did not know. I thought we were doing two different episodes. Um, and it was just, uh, just the scattered dialogue, the incoherent um, like scenes, but for certain actors, like I kept saying, it really felt like every uh, pair or individual was in their own episode. 
And that is so not good. Like that is not good at all. And it just makes you, it makes you appreciate the episodes that you want more and makes you really cringe at the ones you don't like. Uh, the, the, the dog humping Jefferson's like Jefferson and Marcy showing up in such a stupid way where you literally could have them. It's such an easy way. They come in all the time. Like, why are they dressed up in outfits? Like, I don't know. Or even better yet, since he looks like a rabbit, why have, why don't you have Marcy come in first and be like, I'm looking for my little sheep. And then, and then Jefferson walks in and then you see it. I'm like, oh, okay, that that would be a little bit better. Like I literally could punt in my mind, could punch up every single scene with the exception of Lonnie's ending line, Griff's line, and the keys hitting the floor going down Marcy's shirt. Like those three things is what's going to earn the episode. And I'm only rating this episode on its own. It didn't even want to call itself part one, so I'm not going to rate it as a part one. I'm going to give all those three things, gave it a first time for me, half a shoehorn. Mm. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's enemies territory for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least at least enemies was contained one episode. Like, ugh. Did you join us on that review, Tyler? I don't think no. so. Okay. Because we were drunk, I th- we can't remember. No, yeah. I was not there. <laughs> but I, I remember laughing my ass off listening to it, though. <laughs> yeah, because I, I gave it one. But uh, as for this episode, I gave it two shoehorns. That was it. I agree. The story was all over the place. The dialogue, a lot of it was just silly and ridiculous. There were some good jokes. That's why they get it gets two shoehorns. But this is really evident in season 11. And I still like it better than season 10 overall. I know I'm probably in the minority on that one here. But uh, I just thought that, you know, this the episodes were either pretty good or pretty bad. And this is a great example of it going pretty bad. So I'm going to give it two shoehorns. And I'm like you, Tyler. I didn't remember this one in the original run. I saw it in reruns. And I think, and I saw it only when I watched it last night. I was thinking, I think I've only seen this like once or maybe twice. And you can find out why. I was reminded why. I just <laughs> kept cringing at all the silliness going on in it. And what was the episode, Stephen, that you and me? Hate it so bad. Kelly breaks out. Kelly breaks out. Okay, yes. Mm-hmm. And that, because I know some people are going to be like, dang, Tyler, you gave it a half star, but you didn't even give it that low for Kelly breaks out. Yeah, because sometimes it's fun to hate. This, I don't even hate it. I don't even care about it. I'm never going to watch this episode again. And not really. Maybe clips. Maybe just a little clip of it here and there, just to get like some fun screenshots or anything, or to show somebody something. But like, um, and also, I forgot to say it in my uh, in my um, my review. This episode does a fatal sin of all television and movies combined. There is one thing you should never do: the ultimate sin, and that that is 
boredom. I was bored. I was bored watching this, and you should never be bored. As much as I hate and still do Kelly's breakout, Kelly breaks out. I was not bored. I was actively angry during the entire episode, but I was not bored. This one, I could care less. I checked my phone more than I ever did watching with children on this one. Yeah, indifference is actually worse than hatred. So yes. I can understand what you're saying there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it for this episode of the Married with Children podcast. Tune in next week when the three of us will return for How to Marry a Moron. So until then, remember... Whoa.